Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path Podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, my guest is Air Force veteran and critical care nurse, Jessica Astorga. Jessica was in the Air Force for 13 years and was medically retired. She served in Afghanistan as a critical care nurse and has much experience in the mental health arena as both a nurse and as a patient. In her profession of nursing, mental health care is a part of caring for her patients and their families or significant others. She says that over the past two years, she has been on a mission to conquer the demons that she's faced over years and years. Through this journey, she has gained knowledge and skills of meditating and mindfulness, and she's actually used some of these practices with her patients who were in distress. Somehow, she learned about Veterans Path, and when she saw a woman's only retreat, she applied immediately. She says she's so glad she went, as she learned the science behind why mindfulness and meditation are important, and that after learning how these practices can be beneficial to both her mental and physical health, she was convinced to make both part of her life. We're going to learn a lot more about Jessica, her time in the Air Force, and as a critical care nurse, and then her journey to finding Veterans Path. And that's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is Air Force veteran, critical care nurse, and Veterans Path alumni, Jessica Astorga. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on today. And I know we've been meaning to do this for a few months now, so I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen. So thanks for uh, working with my schedule and thanks for flexing with the power outage we had earlier this week. And, and now I've got kids that I'm juggling and they, they're actually downstairs uh, right now. I'm working from home, so you may hear them in the background. And for my <laughs> listeners, I, you know, we're all kind of working with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so again, thanks. And uh it's, it's hard right now to do a show without kind of asking the guests right off the bat, uh, what are you doing to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic and how are you, how are you doing through it? 
it has been challenging and stressful um, to have limitations kind of uh, put on put on me and my family um, almost feeling like um, a lot of choices that I that we've had as far as you know being able to just go walk around in the grocery store without having to worry about um, catching a cold or getting sick from someone I mean that's we never had really had to deal with that before so it's it changes perspective. I'm I'm just interested in in how the world's going to change from from you know what we're doing now. It's it's going to be a different different world, I believe. Um, oh yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. I guess like one of the big things that is awkward um, and but the social distancing, I believe, is just going to further contribute to um, people not socializing, like actually having verbal conversations with each other. Um, and that's kind of, that's a little sad because, you know, with the technology we have now with cell phones, just even waiting in a room to, at a doctor's office, everyone's on their phone instead of like just having a conversation with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, and, and it, make, it makes everything a little bit more awkward. Like today, um, so mo my wife and I are preparing to move across the country uh, when I retire here in August and uh, our house is on the market. We've got it under contract right now and we've got, um, you know, home inspection going on and, you know, you've got people coming in your house, um, going through your, all your stuff, checking for cracks, checking for stuff in the foundation. Yeah, I mean, they're in your house and in the past that has never been a uh, any kind of big deal. And it's just, um, in your mind now, you're like, Ooh, what are they touching? Do I need to wipe that off later? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then at the, at the end of the inspection, uh, the, the young gentleman that, that did it, you know, he reaches out to shake my hand and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I showed yeah. his hand just cause it's so awkward to say, don't shake my hand. But immediately afterwards, like I didn't touch anything and I'm not judging this guy. Not at all. It's just a different world that we're living in right now. So I, you know, went inside and, and I put hand sanitizer all over my hands, wash my hands. And, you know, normally I, I never would have thought twice about shaking somebody's hand. Um, right. Yeah. And today it's definitely a different world. Um, as far as, you know, someone who is armed with the tools of mindfulness and meditation, and we're definitely going to get into that later in the show and how you got introduced to that. But are you using the mindfulness and meditation techniques and practices that you've learned to help uh, you yes. deal with this? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. So what, 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 are you doing anything differently or are you just continuing to do what you've always done with your regular practice? Um, I've actually have been doing more than what I have in the past. Um, that's probably because I feel like I have more time um, since I am not able to go to like physically go to different appointments a lot of it has just been virtual so mm -hmm. I feel like I'm having a lot more time to um, do more like meditation and mindfulness and um, I've been kind of throwing in some yoga in there as well nice well, I guess that's one good thing about about all this is that for some people um, this is offering a little bit of a breather a little bit of uh, more time um, to kind of focus on yourself and your physical health, mental health, 
though at the same time, the flip side of that coin is it comes with added anxiety and added uncertainty. So it's a, it's a tough space to be in, but that all aside, I, <laughs> I won't make the whole show about that. So I'll, I'll go ahead and move on. <laughs> um, in, in your uh, intro, I covered your professional bio. Um, what about Jessica Astorga as a person? What can you tell our listeners to let them know a little bit more about you uh, kind of on more of a personal level? Mm-hmm. Um, at this time in my life, I am focusing more on holistic health um, and, and healing. Um, I have had stress pretty much most of my adult life and it's come to be chronic stress which has actually done damage to um my body physically and um i have i've had enough and i'm you know currently not working able to um able to do that thankfully um, at this time and just kind of more focusing on, um, getting myself, you know, better as mentally, physically, all the above, um, spending more time with my family and my kids being in the military. It was hard to be, to have that option. And, um, now that I'm able to do, be there for my children, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to do that because I know they'll be gone, grown and gone soon. What age are your kids? I have 18 year old. She is um, kind of already off doing her own thing, college. Um, and I have a 14 year old and a 10 year old. Oh, yeah. You've got uh, you've had your hands full for sure. Uh, now, I guess as they're starting to leave the house, you're, uh, you're getting a little bit of a reprieve, but I'm, I'm assuming that 14-year-old and 10-year-old are at home right now. Uh, yes. Is, is school <laughs> school canceled where you are? No, they are doing online, uh, online school. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. I can't imagine that at 14 and 10, uh, you know, it's hard enough to pay attention in class uh, to now have to pay attention in class, but virtually. Uh, that's this is uh, like like you mentioned, and again, I swear I will not make the whole show about COVID nineteen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you mentioned you know things are going to be different. This is changing the world for sure. We are living through history, so I think we'll come out uh, stronger and better because of it. But it's uh, it's definitely tough to go through. So um, again, I will shift topic again. As for your military career, you were a nurse in the Air Force. Uh, I know you served as a critical nurse in Afghanistan. What inspired you to join the military? And then specifically, why did you choose the Air Force and the profession within the Air Force? Uh, you're Navy, right? I am. Yep. <laughs> I am. Okay. I guess that's enough said. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, actually, Air Force and Navy were my two choices. Um, but uh, I guess like I grew up in Alabama. Um, born there, raised there until I joined the military, even went to college in, in Auburn, at uh, Auburn University. Um, but I always wanted to give back and do something um, for others who have served. And um, and uh, I, I grew up in, a, in um, a Baptist church and then the pastor would recognize those who served in the military 
around like Memorial Day, Veterans Day, you know, just those kind of um, holidays. And uh, it, and there were men, there weren't, I didn't see any women who stood, would stand up, but just looking around in the congregation and looking at, and, and being, you know, a, a young kid and just looking at those men and just kind of looking in their eyes, you know, I could see that they were they were off somewhere else like mm-hmm. in, in their mind they were just somewhere else they weren't like you know like they physically um or mentally there and it made me wonder you know it's like it was almost like a reverence and an honor um you know that that they showed as well and um i really i really respected that and honored that myself um and then uh I wanted to do something in the in the medical field, and I didn't really want to go to school forever, so I decided <laughs> <laughs> decided to do nursing. And you know, Auburn University had a um, ROTC program, so it kind of worked out. You know, well, well, I did both of those, and it was, it was difficult to juggle both of those programs, but I, I did it. Um, and then, I mean, I could. I could tell you why I chose the Air Force, but <laughs> does it in, does include uh, does it include knocking the other services? <laughs> no, no. It's just, it, I guess it's just my uh, uh, sheltered growing up life um, that I um, I really didn't want to be stuck on a ship with a bunch of men. <laughs> so that that's was pretty a, much the reason. <laughs> that's understandable. I, I definitely uh, can. Well. I can't say that I can sympathize, but I, I can appreciate that. Uh, being a man and <laughs> being around my own gender, I, I could uh, yeah. I could definitely understand <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as your time in the service, I, I mentioned just briefly there a second ago that you did a critical care nurse uh, stint in Afghanistan. Uh, did you do any other deployments? And mm-hmm. if so, where'd you go? I, I was in Iraq as well. Okay, wow. Yeah, so two hot zones there. Uh, and and going really quickly, sorry, I'm going to do a little side note. Um, you mentioned you didn't want to go to school forever. Uh, my wife is a, an orthopedic PA, and she was a okay. uh, PA in the Navy before she got out and now working in the civilian world. Um, but that's the same reason she didn't go to uh, to school forever. Uh, she, or rather, that's the same reason she didn't choose to be a physician. Well, she didn't want to go to school forever. So uh, that seems to be a... a distinguishing factor for when people decide, hey, you know, I want to go to the medical field, but I don't want to go that far into the medical field. And, uh, you know, coming out of school with uh, tons of student debt uh, can also be another distinguishing factor. But again, sorry, I'm all over the place today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you uh, served in Afghanistan, served in Iraq. um, And then after 13 years, you were medically retired. Um, If you're comfortable sharing, could you tell us uh, why you were medically retired, and then how you dealt with that medical retirement emotionally. Um, yes, that was um, that was a very difficult time. Um, Iraq was my first deployment, Afghanistan my second deployment. Um, before I left for Afghanistan, my uh, marriage at that time was already rocky, um, and then you know, being away, so I deployed and whatever I experienced there and trying to transition to to being back home and figuring out, okay, where do I fit in 
like with even my children because my kids are I've, I've been away from them for, you know, some, some time and where other people were raising my children mm-hmm. because my ex-husband, uh, and medical field as well. So of course his work hours were not consistent every, every time or every week either. Um, and then, um, but my children accepted me. I mean, like I didn't ever leave, um, trying to, figure out okay how do I fit back into the world kind of what my purpose and and stuff like that um also it was like constantly non-stop things were just when I was deployed um and then all of a sudden coming back to the states it was like okay stand still uh Mm -hmm. all right what am I supposed to do what what's next but um so I was still adjusting to that um our uh, our colonel our squadron commander had us work in crazy shifts adjusting from night shift to day shift um pretty frequently so a lack of sleep on top of that um going through divorce um then i also had children um my oldest um 18 um, from a different relationship and then my two younger kids so I was battling two custody battles as well um, and then um, of course I had been diagnosed with depression probably 10 years prior to um, a medical board starting on me um, but with all those situations that were going on at once um, I went to my uh, psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, and just said, hey, I'm going through a very difficult time right now. I just need something to kind of help me get through this time. And um, and then just a lot of it was regulations and peop- um, protocols just weren't consistently followed throughout my time in the, the Air Force. And then at this point in my life, I was like, um, medical professionals were trying to follow the rules at that time. So it had led along with some other things of, um, from my psychiatrist as well, that kind of led to a medical board being started on me. Um, yeah it not a not a very fun time so all this was going on at the same time um i i feel like i had enough to actually fight it and and pretty much go all the way to to do it because i had planned to be in and for for full 20 years and i already had plans of you know i already had things in motion of i was trying to apply for nurse anesthetist school at that time and just everything just like turned upside down um but uh because of being diagnosed with depression like so long ago and and then then trying then the medical board trying to get me discharged because of depression is quite didn't really didn't make sense to me but ultimately, um, I did. I did try to fight the medical board for about a year. But what ultimately came down to it was a decision of okay, I can continue trying to to get this um, 
further and fight even harder to stay in or and possibly lose my children or just go ahead and get out of the military and be able to be with my children. Um, my ex-husband civilian and I was pretty certain that the judge would have given him full custody of my two younger children um, because he wouldn't have had to uh, he wouldn't have had to go with me to another state or a base and and then I would still have to deploy and and so my children uh, was pretty much the ultimate decision of of what led me to just go with the um, the medical board and it, right. and the process of that. Yeah, you had a lot on your plate, sounds like, there. Um, and then, like you mentioned, it's, it's almost counterintuitive that the you went to the Air Force to tell them that you were battling with depression and their cure, if you will, for lack of a better term right now, was to give you something else to deal with. And that was being medically right. inspired. Um, so I'm sure that had its own emotional toll on you on top of everything else. Um, right. When you did get out, did you start um, working as a as a nurse in the civilian sector? I did. Um, the uh, state of Ohio is a little takes a little bit longer with its process of getting um, for me to have got get my nursing license because I had uh, applied for that before I got out of the military. Um, it actually took almost six months for me to get my nursing license for this state. I've, I've also heard of the physicians it takes them that long as well um but um with the medical professionals uh in the who are active duty in the military as long as they have a valid license it doesn't matter what state it comes from or or um like a certifications and all that as long as they're valid and recognized by the military um, I actually had my Texas nursing license while I was working at the base here at Wright Pad in Ohio. Um, but of course, I couldn't work as a nurse, civilian nurse in Ohio without a license. So I was without a job for, for a little while until um, I got my, um, my license for Ohio. Um, but I started at working at the Dayton VA um, for a little while. Um, and that was a part time temporary job um not doing critical care is what I was wanting to do but I was told okay you get your foot in the door you can get to you know where you want to go um and I feel I don't I'm not trying to talk bad about any kind of organizations this has just been my experience that I've had um not like with the military and the air force and medical uh, professionals who are you know, that I had seen in the, um, in the Air Force. Um, it's, I'm not talking bad or like trying to put any, anyone down or anything like that. This has just been my experiences that I've had in my life. Um, but when I was working at the VA, uh, um, a position did open up where I could um, possibly get transferred over into their critical care unit. Um, I applied for the job course my resume you know, I'm being biased as well but resume being stellar because of all the experience that I've had and with my deployed experience as well um, I was pretty confident I was gonna get the job 
mm-hmm. I, I didn't even get an interview. I was like, oh. what? So, yeah. So I go to the, um, the nurse manager. I'm like, Hey, um, why didn't I get the job? And, and unfortunately it was still like kind of the, you pat my back, I pat your back kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so I was like, okay, well, this, these were my goals. I let, let everyone know up front, this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, so I'm going to go to a place where I can work in a unit that I want to work in. So then I um, went to a hospital uh, downtown and um, started working in one of their critical care units. Wow. Yeah. You've had a, a long road to, to <laughs> yeah. get where you are. Yeah. And I, I want to talk more about that, that transition um, specifically for women. Uh, a few months ago, when we first spoke on the phone, you mentioned how women actually transition differently than men. Can you talk through that and what you meant by that for our listeners? Um, I have, um, since I've, well, past couple of years, I've actually been meeting other veteran women vets and uh, talking, just, you know, learning more about them and just seeing what their experiences were, developing, you know, friendships with them. Um, it seemed like a lot of us had a lot in common as far as um, having a difficult time uh, trying to live in this civilian world. Um, are you you're able to pause, right, for a moment? Yeah. Okay. Hey, my husband. All right. Go ahead. Okay, and um, that we have we're having difficult time just integrating into the civilian world. Um, many, many of us isolate, unfortunately, um, from, uh, now, from, when you say you isolate, do you mean you isolate when you're in the military or after you oh, transition out or? No, after transitioning out, like okay. isolate from society and it's, and I, I don't, quite know every I mean everyone has different reasons or all the the women that I had talked with have different reasons for doing that um I can talk about my experience um because I don't really I mean I don't know everything that um each one of the women that I talked with everything that they went through of course because that's their own personal experience um when I first started working and uh, in the hospital downtown, I call it, I will say the, you know, civilian hospital because of the VA, I didn't really count as civilian hospital, but it, it just the um, working with other nurses, mainly female nurses was very, very difficult. Um, I, and, I, and I'll explain why. Um, I would end up in the nurse manager's office a lot. And I, I didn't know why, but it was either I did something or said something or came across that offended someone or somebody thought I was, you know, not, not smiling enough or one, one thing or the other. And I, and I was just very confused and it was like, I don't understand because being in the military, it's like, we're trained to be very direct, very blunt. Right. And 
you know, you do your job, don't sit around and chat about your dog, your neighbors, you know, family and this and that. So, um, I, it, it was difficult for me be, because, um, because I didn't really like socialize at work because what, when I was, when I'm at work, I'm, I'm doing my job, I'm taking care of my patients and, mm-hmm. and I don't have time to sit and get on the internet or look on my phone but um so or just talk a lot with other you know nurses because I my my time and my focus were on my patients um so that really played against me as far as how I was treated by my coworkers. um so um but I had worked with that or worked at that, uh, with that organization for about four years. Um, and things, I, I did start adjusting, um, but I had, I would uh, vent or talk to my sister, she's in Alabama, and um, would just tell her, why, why do I have to adapt to everyone? Why can't they adapt to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the big deal? And then like, just even smiling, I, I wanted to say to my boss, I'm like, is that, was that on the job description? I mean, it wasn't like I went around pouting or looking down, but uh, I guess, I guess because I wouldn't, didn't have a smile on my face all the time, I, that would get me into trouble. Um, yeah. So just, just like things like that, I guess, were, were difficult um, trying to adjust. And, and then it, it just made me kind of, it made me paranoid because I felt like I had to look over my shoulder that um, I couldn't trust anyone that someone, want, someone else was going to run and talk to or try to, you know, get me in trouble or to, to my nurse manager, um, which ended up creating a lot of stress for me and um, uh, eventually just kind of led to me having, um, I I guess, an emotional breakdown towards the end. Um, I left, I left there a little over a year ago um, and but started working at another hospital after that. but I think that's where a lot of my, uh, like the stress and everything just had built up so much that started triggering other things from deployment. Um, the unit that I was working on, we were on the top floor, that was the top level of the hospital. And so the, it was a level one trauma center, um, which means that's like the big, the big trauma center um, in the whole scheme of civilian hospitals, it's right. opposite in, in the military. Um, like level three trauma is like the biggest one in the military. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember everything from my military yeah, time. Because my, my wife worked with me at SEAL Team 10 and I, I um, yeah, I thought it was like cat, cat three um, yeah. was, the, was the level, but I, I can't remember exactly, but I think that might be right. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the helo pad, uh, they, they were right there where you could see them, and, and, and then just the helicopter just coming in, like, often, and, and it was loud, and I could see them, and so it started triggering just stuff from deployment, and, um, and where I, my memory was starting to kind of go, and, just the, all the noises on the, 
in a unit, like a, in the IC unit, all the beeps from the monitors, the beeps from the um, IV pumps and, and the call lights, the patients calling on that and just the noise, noise, noise. I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I just was like, I can't handle this anymore. And um, so I, I ended up having to leave there as um, that time. And I had, uh, was able to take a couple of months off of work or just from work in general. Um, yeah, I think I may be getting off track here. Yeah, I it, you're, no, you're good because <laughs> it, it kind of bleeds into the the next question that that I was going to okay. ask. So, uh, yeah, I, I I initially wanted to talk specifically about um, transition, um, but yeah, there's definitely a piece that the next question was you talk about challenges for women in the military to include healthcare um, acceptance in the workplace and then making friends, and then lastly, you talk about the challenge for women being acknowledged by men and women on the outside, basically, uh, as, as a service member. Um, it's almost as though when people imagine in their mind a service member, what they're imagining is a man. Right. Um, so, yeah, those are the, the next few things I wanted to cover. So the, you know, okay. the women, women in the healthcare uh, or the challenges that you have with healthcare, acceptance in the workplace, and then acknowledgement as a female service member by the civilians? Um, well, the, the uh, challenges with healthcare, I think, have become better with the VAs being more aware of, of what women's needs are. Um, so I think that is, has become better than it had been in the past. Um, just the... Um, making friends, I guess that's um, where I didn't have, I, I didn't make any friends when I was at work because I was just seen as different. Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, even now the only friends I have are women vets uh, that are around this area. I mean, that I have friends around me now are uh, women vets. Um, and um, it's just, it, it's just hard to, very rare is it that I may have like a, um, a friend with someone, uh, a friend, a woman, a woman friend that um, is, wasn't in the military, doesn't have any ties to the military and I actually feel, you know, compatible with, um, it's just, just difficult because the language is different that women vets speak the um, mannerisms are different, um, and so. Um, would you I, would you think that's um, women specific, or I mean, I I, I imagine that's uh, well, I know it is also for men. But yeah, I, I want to know, um, you know, specifically, were. Do you believe that there were unique challenges um, as as a woman transitioning out, um, or not just tra transitioning out, but in, in the acceptance in the workplace and making friends? Uh, and and then I want to get into the the acknowledgement because that to I I can totally see that. I mean, everywhere you look, you know, you see signs for the military, and it's you know it's a man standing in uniform. 
um, my wife and I, we went to a, a, a bar just as we were waiting to fly out of uh, Norfolk. Uh, this is obviously before COVID-19. But there was a sign up saying, uh, you know, it showed all the different services um, and every single one of the service members, uh, you know, the, for the four military services, it didn't include the Coast Guard, but for um, Navy, Army, uh, the Marine Corps and the Air Force, it was all men. And uh, it, it was specifically for Budweiser, uh, the sign was, and my wife uh, sent an email to Budweiser with a picture of the sign saying, hey, you know, <laughs> women serve in the military too. Um, so yeah, sorry, I, I cut you off there, but I, I'm curious, oh, no, okay. uh, as far as you mentioned, you know, the, the fact that, you know, veterans speak a different language, uh, we have different mannerisms, we kind of carry ourselves different ways, and it's hard for us to relate to people who don't have that type of background. Um, I, I would like to know your thoughts on what makes what makes it different for men versus women. And I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious. Okay, um, I think women don't really know how to take women vets um, because it just seems in general court women just women in general like speak a different language and verbal. Uh, nonverbal language than than men in, uh, in yes. general uh, and and I know there's I'm not saying this is absolute because I know you know there's um, you know differences with men and women and uh, just in our you know population in America um but that that's one thing so women are kind of used to eat you know how each other are and yeah. so um and no, then, i see like, what you're saying now it's yeah a great point because it's almost as though the disparity that exists between a male civilian and a male veteran is you know so much but the disparity between a woman veteran and a woman yes. civilian is more so because of how society has kind of um almost made what a woman should be kind of how, how we envision a woman versus what a woman veteran is now yeah totally makes sense to me now right right and, and my wife when she listens to this episode she's like john you're <laughs> well how could you not see that you're married to well that's why i didn't understand because i, I see a, a woman veteran every day <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah I, I can totally appreciate that um as far as yeah. the acknowledgement by men and women who have never served um how, how do you feel about that? Um, I'm going to back up real quick. Before yeah, I sorry. That I question. That, that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I feel like when I am around other women who don't have any uh, uh, military you know, connection, I feel I have to be very careful with how I say things and what I say because I feel like I will either, you know, just be too aggressive or mm -hmm. maybe be to uh maybe intimidate and and none of that is not not what i tried to do at all sure um but i just feel like okay that i have to be careful what i say because i could actually push that possible relationship away and not meaning to so that I, that is very <laughs> stressful because i want to be who i am but right right i also want to be you know accepted um you know in certain groups uh like you know women's group at church or something like that um now to the other question um 
Yeah, and um, that that that's that's hard um, with yeah with um and and it's and it's all almost puzzling to me because we are in 2020 mm, and yeah. <laughs> it seemed like i don't it wouldn't be that way as far as people um women not um considered veterans um or, or still that happens where women don't or women vets or i guess the mentality is that when people not everyone but just in general think of military personnel some for some people automatically a man you know they right. may think of a man not a woman so that that happened to me is a lot because when when i was working um as a nurse um civilian nurse um you know, conversations would come up i wouldn't re ever really tell anyone i was in the military unless uh, i was taking care of a vet and uh, um but sometimes it would come up in conversations kind of would ask where i was from what brought me here to ohio and and then i would say well the military or the air force brought me here oh your husband served <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i just kind of you know just kind of get pause a little bit and you know take a a short deep breath that they couldn't see <laughs> 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 and kind of you know make sure I'm okay I said no it, I was in the military and they're like oh and sometimes people would feel like oops I did the you know put my foot in my mouth so to speak <laughs> but but no um I would I would never make them feel bad about you know like if they just thought it was my husband yeah. but yeah but it but I mean that would happen sometimes but when it has been frequently then then it can be difficult sure. my my vehicle I have it's uh got a yes I, I got medical retirement for the being in for 13 years I have a retired air force uh, license plate and so when my husband's driving or he's in the car with me and you know he gets out people thank him for his service my, I, I did get remarried a couple of years ago but yeah. um yeah and he was not in the military and, um, <laughs> and so he he's like nope it wasn't me it was it was hurt and yeah. so yeah and and that's still and it still happens and so uh yeah i mean it it, 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 it could bother me sometimes sometimes it gets a little frustrating sometimes i just try to let it roll off my shoulders and you know because I, I don't know that's nothing I'm going to be able to change but just um it'd just be kind of nice if um maybe the question was worded a little differently or, yeah. or oh yeah thank you for your service or oh or whatever I don't know how it could be said but <laughs> well I know you texted me you know a campaign um a couple weeks back in regards to raising awareness about women in the military you know that yeah. Um, that they are mothers, that they are wives, that they are partners, um, and, and you know, I, and I texted you back. I was like, "Well, they're also daughters, right?" Oh um, yeah. And, and um, I'd like to know more about that campaign. What is that? What's the the 
vision there? How's that going? Uh, what are you doing to change that whole narrative about women in the military? Um, that, that campaign is called I Am Not Invisible, and it's actually nation going nationwide. I'm not sure how far or what state um, the those who started that campaign um i don't i don't know what state they're in right now but they were were going to each state and actually going to um certain vas in in that area and just had um prior to that had um the the va or um maybe had sent out an email trying to let other women know that this campaign was coming in and would like for them to um you know send in their information because the um and i i've i talked to the the gentleman who was helped start the campaign i do not remember his name or how he actually got it started but his main goal was to bring awareness that women serve too and, and it was really cool and I'm, I'm glad i was able to participate in that and um so they're they have a on Facebook, um, there, um, where they have stopped and gone to different states, and they also wanted us to write a little bio about ourselves. So each, um, when you click on each picture of, of women of a woman, uh, it would have her bio on there. So it's cool because there are women from World War II. Nice. I mean, all the way up to where we are now. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said in the text, you know, I, I've got a, a three-year-old daughter, and then my wife served in the military. Um, I, I would, you know, love for people to acknowledge that that women are service members, are veterans as well. Um, I mean, I know we do, but not certainly not to the level that we do for men. And uh, you know, down the road, um, when let's let's just assume that my if if my daughter were to enter the military and you know um and i've got a son as well and i was to tell people that i'm the, the father of a service member mm -hmm. um, they, you know i i can just imagine it in my mind already they would be like well please thank your son for me and i'm like yeah. well, well it's actually my daughter who's serving uh, i can totally see that so uh, thanks, thanks for being a part of that campaign, and uh, and I certainly hope that it gains traction. And I want to come back to that here shortly, um, but first I wanted to kind of shift to how you found out about Veterans Path because you are a Veterans Path alum, and then what did Veterans Path do for you? Can you tell us your journey, how you found Veterans Path, and then what you found through Veterans Path? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I believe. I have a bad memory, sorry. So I, I believe I found, I learned, uh, found, a, uh, came across Veterans Path um, from just doing a, a search on the internet for veteran programs, and um, and then so I uh, came across uh, Veterans Path, looked at it, saw that they were having a women's uh, retreat, and. Um, and I'm like, oh, cool, I would love to, to go to this. And just reading kind of more about the, um, you know, the organization, I thought, wow, this will be really cool because I have 
gone to other types of veteran programs and retreats, but not many women only. And, um, and so um, applied to it, was able to, I got accepted. Um, and, and um, just what I had read of what Veterans Path offers, uh, especially for the the women's retreat that I had gone to, it it um, it seemed like that would help me develop some new skills on dealing with my my anger, frustration, kind of trying to move past some of the tragic events that have happened in my life, um, and um, and also wanting to. Um, kind of look more into uh, holistic um, care, uh, self care, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, what when I went there, uh, it was awesome. It was not like I had expected, and and it was probably one of the best, if not the best, um, program that I've gone to for women. Um, I know, and I see that there's other programs that are offered um, as well. Um, when I was looking at the website, um, so I'm not familiar with any of those uh, other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. We've, we've actually um, we're going to be offering a lot more in the in the coming uh, months and years. As a matter of fact, uh, again, one more reference to COVID nineteen. Um, that's kind of forcing us to accelerate some of the things that we were planning on doing you know, months down the road, even years down the road and, and shifting or not shifting, but rather adding virtual uh, retreats to our, our kind of menu. But then we've also got the one day retreats, the three day retreats, and then obviously the anchor program as well. Um, <clears throat> so you were introduced to kind of the science uh, of, of mindfulness and meditation there with Veterans Path. And then, uh, and then you've taken that on as part of your life today, um, how are you using mindfulness and meditation today? What did your practice look like? With the um, well, mindfulness, I've just become more aware of just my activities that I do during during day, like uh, my daily life, and and seeing when okay, um, I'm starting to get kind of stressed and trying to like stop and deal with that when it when I'm starting to get to a point where it is beyond handling um just being more aware and I guess mindful of you know my body and um a phys like the physiological uh reactions um to situations and, and trying to diffuse those before getting out of control um yeah the meditation um that i i usually think of just meditation where you just kind of sit and you just let your mind go blank and um (laughs) but but i've learned that meditation can just be can could almost well i'm not sure about anything but it's it's a very um I guess, uh, I, I don't know the right word to say. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's uh, a, a calming of the mind, um, not necessarily just blanking, but uh, well, and it obviously depends on what type of meditation you're doing. Yeah, but, right, but it, right. It does help to kind of focus on what's important, kind of clear some of the chatter, clear some of the noise that's out there, focus on um, the, the truly important stuff in, in life. Uh, mindfulness meditation, obviously focusing on the moment, the here and the now, and, and just experiencing it without judgment. Uh, that's all hugely important in reducing stress and anxiety. And as you do it more and more often, allows you to, um, you know, respond rather than reacting, like you were talking about before, where some of the the anger um, it may it may bubble up faster than than it does now. Now that you have these tools of mindfulness and meditation, um, so it's they're definitely hugely valuable and the, the the sentence that i use all the time and people are probably sick of hearing it on this on this show but um they they are truly life-changing and life-saving practices and and you are a, a shining example of that um in in some of the notes that we swapped and in our discussions in the past you've talked about using these practices in your role as a nurse and not just using them personally, but introducing these practices to others, some of the patients even. Um, can you speak to your use of the practice in your role as a nurse? Um, yeah, the, um, the, pa the patients that, um, that are, were, are con were conscious and able to divert, to talk with me because being in critical care, you know, not every, Patients are usually really, really sick and just are not able or not mentally aware of what they're saying or their surroundings or may not even be able to speak. But when I, and, and then I had worked in an emergency room recently too. So just using some of those skills um, with some of my patients uh, when they'd get really, really just upset and anxious and just kind of difficult to be calmed down and um and then are just very like skittish and don't trust they're not trusting of people and and it just kind of really wants someone to just to be there and understand them and just see where and just listen to them um so um just help using some of those approaches as far as um you know first um, come talking to them in a way that is accepting and not judging, judgment, judging them. And then kind of also just, um, working with the, the deep breathing and helping them in that, that moment when the stress and anxiety is too, is, is actually doing harm to their body at that time. Um, by helping them with controlling their breathing and getting them to calm down. And then, then um, some of them were able to think rationally and um, instead of emotionally. Nice. Yeah. I think that's, that's hugely important. And uh, <laughs> you may hear my baby girl crying yeah, downstairs. <laughs> she, she may need some mindfulness training right now <laughs> so that she can get her emotions under control. Uh, but yeah, actually, uh, I, I, I joke, but we actually do have some mindfulness books for her and, uh, and she does do some breathing drills. 
uh, and it is pretty amazing to see even a, a, a three-year-old little girl. I mean, she just turned three. Aww. We've been doing some of these drills for six months now, so since, oh. since she was two and a half. <laughs> but amazing to see when she goes from being completely irate and like blood red in her face, and we're like, "Hey, baby, stop! Blow out!" like you're blowing out some candles and she'll do that. And you can see the blood kind of leave her face and she calms down mm-hmm. immediately. So sorry, sidetrack, but just, I, I got distracted with the sound in the background, so <laughs> but, it, but it kind of played into what you were discussing in yeah. being able to control your emotions and your body through your breathing. Uh, I think that's incredibly powerful. So um, what about what's next for you? Uh, what are you, what are you thinking, uh, Jessica? What are you, what's your plans for the future and, uh, both in mindfulness and meditation and then some of the other things that you've got going on? Um, um, I am currently in a, uh, veterans yoga program, um, to become an instructor. And, um, I, I didn't know, is it, okay to say the organization or okay okay yeah it's a veterans yoga project um i had uh gone to an all women's retreat uh, a couple of years ago and then um you know we we did a lot of uh deep breathing and just yoga and it wasn't just the different positions or postures of yoga it was other um other uh things as well and then i've just kind of kept in touch with um one of the instructors a found help um founder of that program and um they had opened up to have for instructor training um i am not an instructor at all um but this particular um program is for mindful no it's yoga veterans yoga project mindful resilient trauma teacher training wow yeah it is a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) uh but but i mean it's lots of reading i have a lot of reading to do and then also like the practices of the meditation and the deep breathing and and all of that um and doing some yoga um we're we're supposed to keep a log every week to just kind of log our hours of what we do and kind of observations of of those um different types of um practices that we do and then um so that you know that helps keep me doing you know being consistent as well um but yeah so part of that program is um when we get our uh test and get our sort of Certification, um, then we give back, um, do classes for other vets. Nice. And yeah, and so I, I thought that was pretty awesome. And then um, it's cool too because there wasn't very many openings for that, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get selected or not. But I mean, it's an awesome program. Um, oh, well, good for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working on that. Um, I also came across um, this pro- this organization called Woven. It's W O V and Victor E N. Okay. Um, it stands for Women Veterans Networking. Oh, and, very cool. Uh, yeah, and so it's it's a um, national program as well. Um, 
that organization has been training other women, vet, women vets in different states, so we can go back and start a program in our area. Um, I, w I did have a program, I didn't have one going, but then the COVID thing kind of, you know, messed up a lot of that. <laughs> sure. Uh, hopefully get that going again. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things I'm working on to kind of, you know, just be, just doing for helping other women vets is kind of where I feel like I need to be right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to be a service member or a vet um, and not want to give back to veterans as, as a whole. I mean, I think that's a, a huge piece of why there are so many veteran service organizations that have veterans in them is that we want to give back. And then over and above that, uh, some of the great points you made earlier uh, about, you know, the, the disparity between what society imagines of, of women and then what the military um, this is going to sound, it may sound bad, but what the military almost makes women into, yeah. turns them into, um, the disparity between those two populations, I think it's important that those, that, that those women veterans do bond together to help one another out. So that's awesome that that organization exists. It's awesome that you're a part of it. I'll make sure that I share that organization in the show notes for our listeners to, to tag into and, and become a part okay. of if they're, cool. if they're interested. Yeah. Well, well, Jessica, uh, coming to the end of the show here, what have we not talked about that you want to make sure our listeners hear? Um, that the mindfulness practices, the meditation, that takes time. It's, it's not something that like someone would be able to just do one time and be great at. That takes a lot of time and practice to develop those skills and even I'm still learning and I'm not an expert at it I'm not a guru at any of it um I just kind of do what I'm able to do even, even if it's like five minutes sometimes um and sometimes I don't even do it every day but um so yeah I don't want anyone to get discouraged um you know if they think they have to meditate like so many minutes or every day or anything like that um yeah i guess yeah, that's those, one, those, one big those, point absolutely and those are uh some of the same points that i try to hit too and the the analogy that i uh use quite often and again this is probably another thing that i say too often in the show but it's almost like going to the gym in that you, you go to the gym for a few weeks and you look in the mirror and you're like oh, i'm not seeing the changes that i wanted to see and then you kind of get uh, uh, disparaged and, and you quit. Um, well, the same with meditation is some people will practice for a few weeks and, and then not see or feel the changes. And quite frankly, I was one of them. I practiced for a few weeks and I went back to the psychologist who recommended it to me. And I was like, look, doc, it's not working. And he laughed at me and, and he's the one who initially introduced me to that analogy. And he's like, hey, well, you can't go to the gym for two weeks and expect dramatic changes so you can't expect to meditate for two weeks and expect dramatic changes so i kept at it and uh, luckily thanks to him pushing me otherwise i would i would have quit um and it has been in fact life-changing for me and, and quite honestly probably life-saving for me um so yeah great point so thanks for 
hitting on those and I'm going to continue to beat that drum through all my episodes. So uh, I appreciate you hitting on those. If yeah. people wanted to reach out to you, Jessica, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, um, wow. Um, maybe, maybe. If you're comfortable with them reaching out to you. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Um, so I don't really, I don't do Facebook that much. Um, not really social media person that much. I guess probably email, maybe. Yeah. And and your email for the listeners? Uh, J N as in Nancy A S T O R G A seven seven at yahoo dot com. There you go. And I'll also make sure that that's in the notes too. Um, okay. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, sharing your stories with us, sharing your vulnerability and sharing what it is you're doing today to both empower and acknowledge female veterans and service members. Uh, and uh, yes, I am a man, but I, I do thank you for doing that because like I said, I am married to a, a female veteran. Uh, I am friends with many, many female veterans. Um, I've got other family. My sister-in-law serves in the Coast Guard. And, uh, and there's very good potential that my, my daughter may end up being a service member as well. Uh, and so thank you for what you're doing there. So it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and, uh, and I hope that you are able to stay healthy and safe, uh, as things flesh out with this whole COVID-19 pandemic and the isolation piece. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm great honor. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 